Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. The Lord was laying on my heart, and I'm I'm sharing this with you to tell you how the Lord kind of, when he speaks a message, if our ears are open, we're all going to catch what God is saying, right? And so right before you came up, Pastor, uh, the Lord was uh, reminding me of the story of Samuel and how Eli, how he kept hearing the, the voice of the Lord speaking to him, and he was missing it. Yeah. Like, like Samuel was like, I'm hearing something. I, I, I'm, there's somebody calling my name. There's something that's speaking to me, but I don't know what it is. And so he kept running to the wrong person. And in the priest, Eli, in his wisdom says, listen, it's not me that's speaking to you. It's probably the Lord. And so go back to bed, lie down, yeah. and be prepared to say this. Okay, now this is what the Lord was saying to me. Be prepared to say this. Speak, Lord, for your servant Heareth. Yes. And that word heareth in the Hebrew actually denotes the idea of not just hearing with your ears, but a desire to capture what's being said with the intent to obey. Yes. Okay, so there's a difference there. And I love that because God was speaking that to me. And you came forward and that's essentially exactly what you said. And so I'm going to stand in agreement with Pastor Josh as I open up in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit that we would all have the stance of speak, Lord, for your servant isn't just listening, but we have a desire to capture what you have to say with the intent to do something with it. You follow? Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We just thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is mighty. You are big. You are huge. God, your voice is not quiet or silent, but, Father, you speak. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you that even right now that our ears are being opened. God, not that they would hear my voice, but, Holy Spirit, that they would hear the voice of the Father. God, you do it. As we shift our hearts with the intent to obey, we open our lives up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So that had nothing to do with the message, but it had everything to do with what God is up to today. And it's very important that we set ourselves in a position of ready to do. That action item. I was thinking, actually, Liz, about you. Many of you, Liz comes to this church, and she's my personal assistant. When I call her to my office, she brings a piece of paper and a pen. Because she knows I'm going to give, she's not just coming in to hear what I have to say, but she wants to write down, capture, and knows there's going to be action that is going to be required of her based on what, and that's what we're talking about. And so when we, when we basically say right now, I'm going to, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to hear what you have to say. And that does connect with the message today. Um, The Lord had woken me up about 2 a.m. about a week or so ago and literally dropped a message. Uh, into my heart, and I felt it was very specific for this church. Um, And so uh, I have been currently working on a book that talks about how your life as you know it today is the sum total of everything that you have lived. Okay, so we talk a lot about your system plus your experience equals your reality. 
Okay, so your system, when I say your system, I'm talking about the school that brought you up, your family structure that brought you up, culture and what culture teaches us, our church and, and how we were brought up in church, what the church taught us, and then our experiences. How did I experience love? How have I experienced rejection? How have I experienced birthdays and the way we celebrate birthdays? All of those things, your system plus your experience equals your reality and the way you live your life today. And we all know that your reality is your truth. But what if your truth is a lie? What if your truth is a lie? And the Lord spoke this title for this church. This title. If you were living a lie, would you want to know? Would you want to know? Because that's the first step in saying, what are the areas in my life that I think I'm walking in the fullness of God's truth? And I'm so convinced that my ear is shut down to the voice of God because I already think I'm living in truth. The Lord reminded me in John 8, 32, 33, when Jesus himself, the very essence of truth, stood before the Jews and said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And their response was this. They answered him. They talked back. Can I just say that? They talked back and said, well, we are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. Here we are. It makes you chuckle. I love that Brittany kind of started like, uh, mm, hey, now, hold on here. Assyria, Babylonian, Rome. I mean, their entire heritage was bondage. Their entire history was captivity. Yet here we hear them saying, how can you say you will be made free? See, Jesus was speaking to the Jews in this passage, trying to get them to understand the truth, yet they responded, when have we ever been in captivity? (laughs) The Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Romans, all they knew was captivity, but here's the deal. We easily see that because we're outside of their story, Uh but for them, their story was their truth. Their story was their truth. Their system plus their experience equaled their reality, and they called their reality truth, even, if, even though it was a lie. Even though it was a lie. Wow, so your system, what has happened to you, becomes the story of your life. But what if the story of your life is less than truth? What if it's just a little less than truth? Would you want to know? Would you want to know? We see this all the time in Crazy 8, people needing housing, and they think they just need a place to stay temporarily. I don't have any other needs. They have no idea. I love that you mentioned the the poverty mentality. And I'm doing a workshop coming up talking about how do we understand and impact poverty in your community. But if you don't, poverty mentality, the challenge with poverty mentality is they don't know what they don't know. Because that's all they've ever known. That's all they've ever known. And there are many of us in this room who don't know what we don't know. But would you be willing to know if there's something you don't know that you don't know? Come on now. I'm not going to say that again, okay? 
Donald Rumsfeld coined the phrase, you don't know what you don't know, in response to questions about terrorism, intelligence collected by government agencies when he said, well, we don't know what we don't know. They said, are you sure that you're gathering all the information from all of the countries? And he said, well, we think so, but you, know, you don't know what you don't know. And that's where that phrase came from, but we don't know what we don't know. In Forbes magazine, an article said artificial intelligence experts are now teaching computers to come up with better questions because humans aren't as good as we think at identifying our own gaps within our own knowledge. See, they're teaching, programming computers to do what our brains can do, but we're not willing to do. In other words, you don't know what you don't know. Goes on to say, there will always be gaps in your knowledge, places where you are absolutely clueless as to where you are ignorant. Too many people think of inexperience as something that only plagues young people or people who are outside of their knowledge base. But even experts are often clueless as to what they don't know. They simply don't know what they don't know. And I would like to propose to you that there are, I would like to say, I probably have things that I don't know that I don't know. That there are probably areas in my life where I think I'm walking in the fullness of truth and God's like, mm, baby girl, you're off just a little bit. And there are things in our life that have the appearance of being right, of being true, of prom bringing a promise and we have captured those things and said, this is my truth, even though it's falling short of the fullness. Uh -huh. Even though it's falling short of the fullness. The Bible says, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, and therefore your sin remains. See, that's what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees in John chapter 9 with the man who was healed of his blindness. And they couldn't believe that he was healed of his blindness, and they wanted all the answers. They were trying to get knowledge. Who was this man? What happened to you? How did you get healed? And the man just kept saying, I don't know. All I know is I once was blind, and now I see. He had no clue. Right. He couldn't connect his story with his experience. Come on. Yes. Because sometimes we allow our story to prevent us from having an experience. Can That's I just true. say that? Yeah. See, some of us walked in this door today already predetermining what kind of an encounter you would have with Jesus. Right, based on your system, based on your beliefs, we call it your belief system or your BS. <laughs> we call that your belief system or your BS. Because often we say, this is my belief system, and my belief system is right, right? Well, what if it's really just BS? Yeah. What if it's really BS? The book that I'm writing is talking a lot about how your core beliefs actually predetermine how you will perceive a moment. Uh -huh. They predetermine whether or not I will perceive you rejecting me based on whether or not I believe I've been rejected. That I'm a rejectable person. If I think I'm unlovable, chances are I constantly perceive rejection. Come on, we all know people like that. Maybe some of us are like that in this room. And the problem is that then our perception becomes our perspective of everything, which is my point of view. And everybody knows my point of view is always right. Right. 
right? And then my point of view then formulates my paradigm or the pattern in which I'll live in, which then confirms the lie, my BS, my belief system, my core belief that may actually be a lie. Right. See how the enemy works there? So we end up living a life that actually confirms the lie because we predetermine our life based on what we believe. Uh -huh. Come on, this is good stuff. And so we see that over and over and over again in Scripture. I'm asking you today, what in your core belief have you determined is a truth but is actually a lie? And if it was a lie, would you want to know? We're talking about shaking some things up here. Uh -huh. I was confident in what I believed in Christ. I was confident in my doctrine until I got smoked with the Holy Ghost. I shook some things up in my life. And I had to go back and say, why do I believe what I believe? And what I determined was I believed because it's what I've been, the knowledge I had been given. Instead of what I had been given by the Holy Spirit and through the word of God. The word blind in this, in this passage includes the idea of being mentally blind. Unable to see within your mind. He's not just talking. So when he says, you shall remain blind. Because you claim to see, you will remain blind. He's not talking about blind with your eyes. He's talking about being mentally blinded. It also denotes the idea of a smoke or a, to be wrapped up in a mist. Come on now, if that's not demonic, I don't know what is. To be wrapped up in a mist, a fog, where you're just like ignorant and, and you are so determined and so blinded to something that's right in front of you. Something that's right in front of you. My point here is, is too often we live our lives thinking we are living in the truth, but we're living in a lie. Yeah. A lot of times we've heard the phrase, learning is stronger than knowledge, but too often we allow our knowledge to keep us from learning. Too often we allow, because I already know. But what if there's something you don't know? Or what if what you know is actually a lie? And it's only become your truth because you've allowed it to become your truth. And you've actually begun to navigate that truth in your life. You understand that you have the power with every choice that you make, every step that you take, where you set your mind to actually predetermine what happens in your next 15 minutes. Come on now, that's the authority that God, when he says, I have given you authority to stand upon the earth. Right. He's talking about authority. Saying, when I walk in a room, I have predetermined what's going to happen in this meeting. Uh -huh. I have already decided people are going to like me. People are going to accept me. They're going to love me. And the reality is it doesn't really matter because you have that mentality because you're already confident in who you are in Christ. You understand that you teach and train people how to treat you by the way you treat yourself. Yes. That the way you see yourself, the way that you look at yourself is actually what predetermines the way people will treat you and see you. If you see yourself as rejected, people are going to reject you. And the enemy will go, see, told you. Uh-huh. Come on. But somebody has to change that cycle. There was an interruption in that cycle, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. He interrupted that cycle. And if you come into Jesus Christ and you say, this cycle that I've been living, even though it's been my reality, is a lie. Yes. See, reality doesn't equal truth. It does not equal truth. 
I can't help but remember how Jesus was walking in Matthew 21. The Bible says, now in the morning as he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves and said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. And immediately the fig tree withered away. <laughs> Interesting to note that this is the only record of Jesus ever cursing anything or bringing death into a scene. But he curses a fig tree that has, has the appearance of bearing fruit. Come on has the appearance of bearing fruit, but the reality is, the truth is, the reality is that it had the appearance of, of bearing fruit, but the truth is, there was no fruit. So there was a reality that they were looking at, that it was green and it was leafy, and it showed signs of bearing fruit, yet there was no fruit. The one thing Jesus curses are the things that appeared to be right but we're fruitless. There are, come on. There are things in your life that appear to be right, that have green leafy substance, but there's no fruit. There's no fruit. See, those of us in this room who are walking with Christ, we're wise enough to know the good from the bad. We're not talking about the good from the bad in this passage. We're talking about the good from the best. Ooh, say it again. We're talking about the good from the best. Yeah. See, because green leafy trees, that's pretty and it's good, yeah. but it was fruitless. There was no purpose. There was no production. There was no reproduction. No fruit, no reproduction. Come on, because the, the seed is in the fruit. There was no reproduction. And for many of us, this resonates with our lives. Where we live our life Chasing after things that reflect a promise, but never deliver. Never deliver. Lisa has written books and hosted several live events that have inspired, transformed, and empowered many lives. Now you can engage with Lisa with her personal revelation, insight, and commentary via online workshops. Her workshops include Lighting Your Fuse, which speaks to your passion and your purpose, or her books, Mastering Your Seasons, To Love and Be Loved, as well as the certification class for biblical counseling. These workshops are now available online for yourself or to share with others. For more information, go to lisa-swartz.com. That's L-I-S-A-S-C-H-W-A-R-Z.com. The passage goes on to say this, and when the disciples saw it, they marveled and said, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? So Jesus answered and said to them, assuredly, I say to you, if you have the faith and do not doubt, you will, you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask for in prayer, believing you will receive. Now listen to me. This last weekend, I, I taught a, a workshop called Unpacking Your Generational Baggage. And there are some things, there are some mountains, there are some deeply rooted stuff in our lives that we think has just the way we are. I'm talking about personality traits. I'm talking about personality bends. I'm talking about things that we've said, well, that's in my genetics. Right. They have become mountains 
in our relationship with the Lord. And there is no fruit in them. And Jesus is saying, when he's saying you can say to this mountain, how many of you have had an addiction in your life that felt like a mountain? How many of you have had anger in your life that felt, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the big obvious obstacles. I'm talking about those things that we hold in our heart or they hold us, whichever one, either it's holding us or you're holding it. Either way, Jesus set it free. And he's saying, if you can identify the mountain, be willing to know there are mountains in your life that are keeping you from the truth. Identify the mountain, speak to the mountain and say, you are a lie and I cast you out in the name of Jesus. That's what we're talking about here. The things that are green and leafy and have the promise of bringing fruit that we're clinging on to, but they never come to fruition. The Bible says that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. In 2 Peter, Peter talks about people who preach, who are like wells without water, clouds that are carried by a tempest, clouds without rain. He's talking about even doctrines that bear promise but never deliver. Now we're talking about even church cultures here that we cling to to be our hope when Jesus says, I am your hope. The church is not your hope. Your marriage is not your hope. Your child getting delivered from drugs is not your hope. Being delivered from cancer is not your hope. We have faith that those things are going to happen, but that is not where my hope is. My hope is in Jesus Christ, and when my hope is in that, I will never be disappointed. That's what the scripture says. I will never be disappointed. We live our lives emotionally going up and down, up and down, having, saying we have faith, but the reality is where we put our faith, often we put our hope. And they're two different things. Come on now, this is free, it's not in my notes. (laughs) And we can have faith in something, and if if it doesn't happen and our emotions begin to wane, our faith begins to waver, we begin to doubt, You can be assured that you didn't just place your faith in that thing, but you also placed your hope in it. But our hope is in nothing but Jesus Christ. And he does not disappoint us. That's what the scripture says. That's what the scripture says. I want to go with you to John chapter 5, if I could. And I'm going to read it to you. I am actually going to read scripture. And I'm going to read it from chapter 1 till whenever the Lord says stop. After this, There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude, listen to everybody say with me, a great multitude, multitude. of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the water to move. Now listen, I could just preach on this passage alone, but I want you to consider that we are the multitude and that there are many of us who are sick, blind, lame, paralyzed, paralyzed with fear, lame in your understanding, your walk has been impeded, your growth has been impeded, your business has been impeded, your family has been impeded. That's what I'm talking about, lame. Blind, unable to see, again, mentally blind, I'm in a fog, I'm confused, I'm constantly in a daze, I don't know which way to go. That's not from God. We're talking about us here. Waiting for the water to move. Now, listen to me. Scripture doesn't say 
but I, I love reading scripture in drama form because I think it's great. But I can only imagine that these lame people sat staring because if you fell asleep, if you took your eye off of it and you missed the stirring, you're done. Their eye continuously forced to be upon wait on this pool of water waiting that it might potentially stir and then I might potentially beat all these other people to it. That is my only hope. That is a false hope. Here we have a picture of a false hope, but watch what happens. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred the water, and whoever stepped into it first after stirring, the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. Okay, here we have a man. This is his story. And this has become his truth. He is living a lie with his eye on a false hope, and when truth walks up next to him, he doesn't even see it. He doesn't even recognize it. Not only had his reality become his truth, but his false hope had become his only hope. Yeah. So not only did he miss truth, he missed hope standing right next. Come on. Oh, that's good. He, missed, he didn't just miss truth, he missed hope standing right next to him because he couldn't take, there was so much fear in taking his eye off the pole. This is my only hope. If I let go of this, then what do I have left? I hear that in the counseling room all the time. But if I don't, then this, a false hope, afraid, not willing to take your eye on what you've been convinced is your only hope, your only truth, to the point where you miss truth and hope. Capital T, capital H. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had been there, see, Jesus already knows. He knows how long you've been stuck in your captivity. (laughs) He is not surprised. The problem is you don't know how long you've been stuck in your captivity. He's more desperate to set you free than you are to be set free because your truth has become a a lie. And he goes on and he says, And he knew that he had already been there in that condition a very long time. Listen, Jesus is not disturbed by your condition. When he showed up at the tomb, everybody was like, it's going to stink. And he was like, I don't give two rips how much it stinks. Move that stone away. Move that stone away. Mm. He goes on and he says, He had been there in that condition a very long time, and he said to him, do you want to be made well? Seems like an obvious question. Uh Like, I would be like, duh. But there's a reason why Jesus is asking that question. There's a reason, because he's trying to expose to him, "You're, you're going down the wrong path. You have sickness that you know not of. You have brokenness that you not know not of. If you were living a lie, if you are 38 years sitting here in your lameness, staring at a false hope is a lie, even though everybody else says it's true, would you want to know? Oh, that's good. Would you want to know? Because it wasn't just this man. There was a multitude who had also bought in to the leafy, green, good-looking tree that was never bringing forth fruit. A promise that never delivers. If you were living a lie, 
would you want to know? If you were living a lie, would you want to know? See, this man who was sitting by, by the pool had excuses that kept him from the truth. He had self-pity that kept him stuck on his mat. He had his eyes staring at a false hope. He was staring at a tree that never bears fruit. Clouds without rain, wells without water. Stuck. I ask you, was the mat holding him down or was he holding the mat down? <laughs> Living in victim victimization, being navigated by his life instead of recognizing I've been given truth to navigate my life. And then Jesus says to him, rise, take up your mat, take up your bed and walk. Speak, Lord. For your servant heareth. Yeah. Because it wasn't the words of Jesus that healed him. It was the action of the man that healed him. Because God is going to speak a message today and everybody's going to hear it. And some are going to be healed and some are not. Because some of you are going to rise up and you're going to walk in and you're, some of you are going to be like, that was really good stuff, but it doesn't work for me. Uh -huh. Listen, for years, for years I struggled with clinical de depression panic anxiety attacks and I would go to all these women of faith conference I mean I was going to Bible studies I was in church and I couldn't seem of course at that time I didn't think you could be set free from it. and I thought at best I'm gonna learn how to manage it okay right. and so I'm thinking I want to be set free from this I want to be set free and so one day I remember this as clear as a bell sitting at a table with a bunch of other women and we were talking about what it's like to live with depression and what it's like to have panic anxiety attacks and all of these women were like oh I used to have trouble and then I got got set free and then I got blah blah blah, blah 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 and then I did this and I got set free and then I did and I was like getting irritated listening to this because I was like I've heard all the same things I've been told all the same things but I am still stuck in this depression and I'm telling you there was one lady I'm I to this day I think it was an angel of the Lord that looked at me sharply and said but did you do them wow. there you go. because a lot of us think we're doing it when we're not wow. that's a beautiful thing about having a life coach I say I want you to do this every day and I come back and I'm like did you do it and they're like kind of <laughs> what does kind of mean well I did it once well, now you're gonna have to pay me another hundred dollars for another hour because you're not doing what I'm telling you to do, but you think you are. Right. That's the bad part about it. You think you are, and then after 10 weeks, they get discouraged and say, this isn't working. No, it's not working. It, it's not that it's not working, it's that you're not working it. Right. See, the word of God will work if you work it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's the invitation that we have to partner with God. He could wave a magic wand over us and immediately heal us. That's what the Naaman wanted. He said, can't. Can't the prophet just come out and wave his hand over me and I would be healed? Sure, he could. He could. But instead, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. Meaning, I want to be invited into. I want to play a part of. I want to know that I carry authority in how my life is going to go. So you have a choice. You can take up your mat and you can walk or you can sit. That's your choice. Either way, it's God's desire to deliver you, heal you, rescue you from your blindness, rescue you from your lameness, rescue you from your paralyzedness, rescue you from your lack of production. Yep. 
It's already been done in the kingdom. It's already been established. But you have to sit here and first of all say, maybe there's something more. Maybe there's something I don't know that I just don't know. We say that all the time when we're doing events. Liz is like, the food's like, the food's like, the food's like. I'm like, nobody knows. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> I'll be like, nobody knows what they don't know. Nobody knows the food was supposed to be here 15 minutes ago. They think, we're, let's just go with it. Let's just deceive the whole crowd. Because <laughs> nobody knows what they don't know. Nobody knows what they don't know. Uh, a lie, the definition of a lie means, of course we know this, to make an untrue statement. But it also means to create a false or a misleading impression. Did, did I just pull in some people yeah. saying that maybe my life is a lie? That I'm living not just false impressions or misleading impressions, but I'm living according to things with misleading impressions. Chasing after trees that have green leaves on them but really have no fruit. Clouds that never produce any rain. Wells without water. This is what scripture tells us these things are. Missing it. Although Jesus is continuously standing beside us saying, I am your truth. I am your hope. I am your truth. I am your hope. Yes. You're hearing that message here today. You heard it this morning in Sunday school. You heard it in the worship. You're going to hear it over and over and over and over again. Yet there are some of us in here that are like, yeah, I already know that. <laughs> and your knowledge is keeping you from learning. Your knowledge is keeping you from learning. One of the most ironic passages in all of this is Pontius Pilate. He says, Pilate then went out back outside, inside into the palace and summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Meaning like, where did you get your knowledge from? Are you just bringing to me what you've heard everybody say? Is this your own knowledge? Is that your own idea? Or did you hear others talking about me? Come on. Who do people say that I am? Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Jesus says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Is that what people have told you? Is that your own idea? Or have you just heard other people talk? Now I'm talking about his, the truth. What if what you know of Christ is less than full truth? What if there's more to know about him? So I'm not just talking about you as an individual. I'm talking about your relationship with Christ. What if you've already decided, this is what my relationship with God looks like. This is what it's always looked like. This is what I did when I was in second grade in Sunday school. And this is what I do when I'm 52. This is what my relationship, it's cool, it's comfortable, it's convenient. This is what it looks like. But if you're not growing in your relationship with the Lord, I would like to tell you that it's dead. Because the kingdom of heaven is always on the increase. It is always growing. And if you are not growing, you are dead. You may have green leafy trees, but you have no fruit. Because fruit is where production and reproduction comes from. See, if you're not reproducing, you have no fruit. If you have fruit, you will organically reproduce. 
meaning I'm growing more in love with Jesus every day. I'm looking more like Jesus every day. I'm speaking more like Jesus every day. I'm thinking more like Jesus every day. I'm loving people more like Jesus every day, even when I don't want to, because I am so firmly rooted in the river of God, I can't not bear fruit in season or out of season, that even in the winter, I am bearing fruit. Because I am firmly, deeply rooted in the river of God. Are you bearing fruit? How do you know? Is your life a truth or is it a lie that you call your truth? Pontius goes on, this passage goes on, and <clears throat> he says, am I a Jew? Pilate replies, excuse. Here's my excuse for not really having an answer. I don't really need to know. Am I a Jew? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it, what is it that you have, what is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not reality. <laughs> Come on. Your reality does not equal truth. Right. Capital T. If, if, I could just, if I could just preach that right there. Yeah. Your reality does not equal truth. Capital T. Okay? He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Uh-huh. It is otherworldly. It is not of this realm. Exactly. It is spiritual. Amen. So y'all can think what you want to think. You can define it the way you want to define it. You can call it your truth. But there is a truth you know not of. Right. But listen, he goes on to say, you are a king then, still trying to figure it out. Based on the knowledge that he has from the system, and the experience that he's having, he's trying to reconcile what's happening. See, sometimes when we come have an encounter with the Holy Ghost, we begin to immediately trying to reconcile with the natural knowledge in our mind. Listen, can I just be honest with you and tell you that sometimes I'm praying healing over people and my natural mind is like, this is dumb. This is not going to be, I mean, like, you know, like speaking like natural stuff in my brain, like arguing against, and my spirit's like, shh. Right? Or somebody's not treating me right and I'm like, I don't feel loved right now. And the Holy Spirit's like, shh. See, we have that inner voice, the natural voice of our system and our experience and our emotions. Can we just say that our emotions are a part of your system? Uh Uh-huh, yes. You know that passage where it says, taking every thought captive, every thought that exalts itself against the name of Jesus Christ, take it captive. That word thought in the Greek includes the idea of your emotion, Uh your affection. Taking it captive, he goes on and he says, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And then it says, Pilate retorted. I love that, retorted. I don't know if that's in the Bible anywhere else. But it says, Pilate retorted, what is truth? Now listen. With this, he went out again to the Jews and gathered there and said, I find no basis for the, but listen to me. He says, what is truth? He asks a question, but turns before Jesus even gets to answer. Why? Because he had already predetermined he knew the answer. That's good. He had already predetermined what truth was. Even though he asked it, he did not wait to hear the answer because he already had decided his knowledge was keeping him from learning. 
His knowledge kept him from seeing. His knowledge kept him from hearing. His knowledge kept him from receiving. He looks at the face of truth and says, can you imagine standing and looking at the very essence of truth? How many of us on a daily basis are dying to know the truth of a situation? We're confused. We don't know which path to take. Our emotions are all jumbled and we just want to know what is true in this moment. Are my emotions true? Is my thought true? Is my circumstance true? Is what I'm experiencing true? God, what is truth? In this moment, what is my truth? What is true for me? What is true in this moment? What is true about what is happening? It's about shutting down this world and understanding there is a kingdom that we know not of but has been revealed to us by the Holy Spirit and saying there is an other truth in this moment and I'm not moving until I find it. Instead of saying, what is truth? And then deciding that my knowledge must be true. My experience must be true. My reality must be true. And therefore, turning our back on truth. Wow, that's good. Capital T. See, there's no middle ground there. You're either a friend of the world or you're a friend of God. Amen. You're either living a truth. I said if you're living less than truth earlier because I wanted to try and capture you, but there really is no such thing. It's either a truth or it's a lie. Come on, let's be honest. It's either a truth or it's a lie. Yep. And we're dealing with our kids. I want to know, is it true or is it not true? Right. Well, it's a little true. No, it's either, <laughs> it's either a truth or it's a lie. Come on, we, we justify, we rationalize. Well, every time I try to step into the pool, somebody else gets there before me. And so that's why I can't come into the truth. And so we allow, the, is that, was that a reality for him? 38 years. None of us in this room are probably going to argue that he probably never made it to the pool first. Right. That was a reality. But his reality was a lie. His reality was a lie. So ironic to me that Pilate literally was staring at truth in the face and asks, what is truth? Not even waiting for an answer, scripture doesn't say, but we can assume that he asked without a real desire to know. That he asked, he was seeking without a real desire to have his mind changed. See, the Bible says, if you seek me with your whole heart, I will be found. And a lot of us have been seeking and we don't understand why we're not finding But the Bible says, if you seek me with your whole heart, meaning I am seeking with a desire to have my mind changed, my life changed, my circumstance changed, I'm willing to be inconvenienced, I'm willing to sacrifice, I'm willing to change things. That's hard. Come on. That's hard. But if we want something new, if we want something more, we need to be willing to do something different and do something more. That makes sense even in the natural. 
All Pilate knew was his system and what his system has told him. His BS was so fixed. His belief, it's belief system. His belief system was so fixed, was so fixed. Listen, some of us have a very fixed belief system. I'm not just talking about your doctrine. I'm talking about the way you raise your kids, the way you clean your house, the way you cook your chicken. I'm <laughs> like, do you tear your lettuce or cut it? Like, seriously. I mean, like, be willing to be moved. Okay? I mean, there are some things we're not, we're going to be immovable on. There are fewer non-negotiables than we have made. Did, I make, did that make sense? Uh -huh. yeah. there, are, there are non-negotiables in our relationship with Christ. He is the only way. He was born of a virgin birth. There is a heaven and there is a hell. I mean, there are, there are non-negotiables, but there are very few non-negotiables. Yep. There are a lot less than we have made. Right. We have made non-negotiables. You have to be baptized to be a member of my church. That may be a non-negotiable for your church, and that's fine. I'm not saying that. But the problem is when we're brought up under that belief system, then people actually believe that that's biblical when actually it's just a tradition. Come on, I'm not going to go down this path. I'm not going to go down this path. I'm just saying that there are a lot less non-negotiables. And so I think if we would be willing, and the first thing I had to do in my relationship with the Lord when he started opening up just the ways and the waves of the Holy Spirit is, A, I had to be willing to be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I had to be willing to be wrong, and I had to be willing to be taught. Yeah. I had to be teachable, and I had to be not afraid. Because most of us are afraid to step back and let God move. Because that means I have to let go of my false hope, my pool of Bethesda, where I think I'm going to find my healing. You follow? I'm reminded of the woman with the issue of bud. Listen to me. We have the opposite. Her core belief predetermined her healing. She predetermined, if I could touch the edge of his cloak, I know that I will be healed. See, she had BS that wasn't BS. She had a belief system that was true. She recognized truth. She knew what truth could do for her. And she decided this is what truth is going to do for me. And as soon as I touch that cloak, it's going to be my paradigm. That my life, that that is my truth. She recognized the life she had lived was a lie compared to truth. Ooh, this is the life I've been living my whole life. A woman who had been plagued with an issue of blood, walking around, crying out, unclean, unclean. Nobody touched me, and I'm not allowed to touch anybody. Her issue was way beyond just blood. Her issue was, I'm not allowed to connect with anybody. I'm not allowed to have contact with anybody. I'm not allowed to touch anybody or be touched by any her issue was way more this is a woman who lived a life rejected isolated abandoned alone yet when she saw truth she saw a difference she saw there is something that this man has that i don't have and my truth is always actually a lie when i see it in comparison to the real truth Amen. And she determined in that moment, I'm going to come into contact with truth. And the minute I come into contact, come on, the minute I come into contact,
contact with truth, virtue, truth is going to leave his body and come rushing into my body and my truth will now become a new reality that is actually a truth with a capital T. Yeah. Amen. Actually a truth with a capital T. See, she predetermined, but a lot of us are like, oh, well, you don't get it. I'm not allowed to touch him. I'm not allowed. Mind you how many people she had to touch. She, she broke a ton of laws. She was so tenacious for that truth to become her truth, she stopped at nothing. She predetermined her contact with Jesus based on what she believed, based on what she believed. I minister to people all over the United States, and I can tell you when they're going to receive and when they're not going to receive. I can tell you. And there are definitely times when the Holy Spirit shows up like Saul and just knocks them off their horse and blinds them for, you know, and says, let me blind you for a while so that you can actually see truth. Come on. And there are times when, when God will do that, but more often than not, he's a gentleman, and he invites you, and if you reject the invitation, yeah. you're going to miss it. Yeah. You're going to stand there looking at the pool of Bethesda while truth and hope stands next to you saying, do you want to be made well? You're going to be like Pilate who says, what is truth? And you turn away from truth, and you miss truth. I'm telling you, there are areas in your life that are a lie. Do you want to know? Do you want to know? Does it, does it freak you out a little bit? Now, let's be honest, it kind of freaks me out. But on the flip side of that, it's exciting. So I'm in a season where I'm like, God, show me the lies in my life. Show me the places in my life that are green and leafy, and they have the appearance of bringing forth fruit, but they're not bringing forth fruit. Show me the areas in my life. Show me the lies in my personality that I have decided I have to live according to 38 years, I have to be depressed because my mom is depressed, my grandma's depressed, my aunt's depressed, even my sister's depressed. I mean, this is what we've done. Yeah. We've allowed our system, our genetics, our history to become our truth. And just because they are a reality that you are warring in does not mean they are your truth. You've got to become like the woman, at the woman with the issue of blood who says, I see something different. Yeah. Today I see something different. Are you willing to consider that maybe there are places in your life more than your, circumstance, more than your circumstances, maybe some thought processes, maybe some emotions, maybe some characteristics of your personality are not lined up with the personality of Jesus. Yes. Come on. Yes. If, you, if there's something in your personality that isn't, I do not like when people are like, well, I'm just, that's just the way that I'm wired. Oh, come on. <laughs> no. nope. oh well, I'm wired like Jesus. Oh, well, you know what I mean. No, I don't know what you mean. Because you have just rationalized truth. You have just rationalized truth. You have said, well, that's just the way that I'm wired. Well, that's just the way that I am. Love me the way that I am. Uh, I do love you the way that you are. And that ain't it. Because there's a creation and there's a DNA and there's a wiring and there's a genetic blood flow in you that you know not of. The question is, do you want to know? Amen. Do you want to know? The question, and I ask people that all the time. When they're sitting there saying, well, this is mad, and I say, hey, if some of those things were a lie, would you want to know? And it's amazing to me how many people are like, they're not a lie. They don't even answer the question. 
They don't even answer the question. I ask people that all the time when they say, when I say, you know, do you know for sure uh, that you're going to heaven? And they kind of give me this wishy-washy whatever. And then I say, if you were wrong, would you want to know? And it's amazing how many people don't answer that question. Because yeah. they don't want to know. Right. We live our life like this. Yeah. We're like Lazarus who's been raised from the dead, but we're bound by claws. Stumbling and mumbling and fumbling through life, trying to find our way, living in a lie. When expressing frustrations or exacer exacerbation, we often begin by saying something like this. If only I had known, if only I had known that the plane was going to be two hours late, I wouldn't have rushed to the airport. <laughs> if only I had known that you were going to get such bad grades on your report card, I wouldn't have let you go to the dance. If only I had known the van was going to overheat, I would have taken the car. <laughs> See, the reality is, in all of these instances, life does not offer us a crystal ball where we can see what's going to happen. We don't know what we don't know, but it has offered us a Holy Spirit, Amen. a person, and his name is Jesus Christ, who lives and breathes within us. And, that said, and, the, and the Holy Spirit lives in us. And the Bible says, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard. If only I would have known, you can know. Amen. You can know what your tomorrow holds. You can know what choice you should make. You can know what's happening in your tomorrow. Yep. Because the Bible says, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God, everybody say, but God. God. Y'all have heard me say this a million times, but God's butt is always going to be bigger than your butt. <laughs> because when you're talking to God, I guarantee you I have a butt, 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 butt. I don't care what butt you bring me, but God's butt's always going to be bigger. Yeah. More powerful, more present, more faithful. Amen. It's always going to be there. But God has revealed them to us through his Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is within him? So he's saying, listen, I have put within you the lamp of the living God to search that you might know what you don't know. I have not left you impotent, lame, without, wandering, in the dark, dumb, deaf, Mute, I have healed you through the Holy Spirit, and you can know what you don't know. You can know what you're tomorrow. All the things which I have prepared for you, I say unto you this day, your eye does see, your ear does hear, and it has entered into your heart through the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It has entered in. Yeah. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but a spirit who is from God, that we might know, everybody say, that I might know, the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words in which man's wisdom teaches, not in your system, not in your experience, but that which the Holy Spirit speaks. Only the Holy Spirit, that which the Holy Spirit speaks, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they have become foolish yeah. to him. Mm -hmm. 
nor can he know them. See, he doesn't know what he doesn't know because he's not tapped into the Holy Spirit. Allowing the Spirit, the lamp of the Lord, to search the inmost being. And they have become spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. For who has known the mind of Christ that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Listen, we're talking about what you know. If, you, if you're willing to say, my natural mind doesn't know what I don't know, but my spirit man knows all, knows everything. I have been given the mind of Christ. I am not confused. I am not deceived. I am not misled. I, do you follow? John 10.10 10 says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, he wants to slaughter, and he wants to destroy. But I, meaning Jesus, says, I have come to give you everything in abundance. Amen. In abundance. He's not saying I've come to give you leafy green things that promise but never deliver. Right. More than you expect. This is the, the Passion Translation. He says, I've given you everything in abundance. More than you expect. Listen, some of us are hearing this right now. And we're rationalizing it, right? Well, I mean, that's not really what the scripture means. You know, I mean, he's not really a God of like, you know, I mean, he's just saying that he would. We've rationalized, we've even rationalized the prosperity gospel. Uh-huh. And I'm not saying it's always right the way it's presented, but I serve a God of prosperity. Read the Old Testament. The whole Old Testament was him trying to move the people from lack to the land of plenty. That's the whole Old Testament. Him trying to move them from what I have not to what I have. We're not talking about from the have not to the just enough, which is where we settle as Christians. Can I just say that in your church? So, you know, we've got the uh, have not, the not enough, and the promised lamb was the more than enough. Uh Okay, so as believers, a lot of times we settle in the just enough, and we proclaim how God's a right on time God, and he gives me exactly enough. That's not biblical. Everywhere in the Bible, God gives you more than enough. He filled the multi- he fed the multitude and there are basketfuls left over. Mm-hmm. He anoints my head and my cup overflows. Uh-huh. He always gives you more than enough. Life in its fullness until you overflow. Somebody, somebody, I think you said something about being overwhelmed and overflowing and being con- When was the last time you felt goodness and mercy, the presence of God, not just in you, but overflowing out of you? That's the difference between the green leaves and the fruit. Uh See, because we don't eat the green leaves. People come up and they pick the fruit and that's what they eat. That's the taste and see that the Lord is good. So if you want people around you to taste and see that the Lord is good, it's time that you say, hey, I might be having, I may be comfortable in my green leafy, but if I don't have fruit, what good am I? Am I producing? Am I going to reproduce? Where's the seed? If your life was a lie, if you're living less than, it's a lie, is it not?